0: Biblical scholars debate exactly the specific number of times that the coming of Jesus Christ is foretold about in the Old Testament. It's debated both in reference to specific verse as well as foreshadowing accounts, but one thing that we do know for sure is that when we look at some of the most commonly recited passages that foretell of Emmanuel, God with us— coming and dwelling among us, we do see how deliberate and intentional God the Father was as he began to set up his plan that was going to redeem all of mankind. And so this morning, we're just going to look at just a few passages, and we're going to focus on these promises that God made in the Old Testament and then we're going to cross reference them with various verses in the New Testament that show that the promises were fulfilled. So there's a couple things that I just want us to focus on. I actually have three points today. Today's going to be kind of short. The first one is this God had a plan before the earth was even formed. And we read about this very quickly in the Bible. In Genesis three fifteen, we read, and I will cause hostility between you. This is, this is God speaking to Satan, actually. Just after Adam and Eve have committed that original sin, he says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So again, God is speaking to Satan here. And what he's saying is, look, You've just jacked things up, and so this is what's going to happen. Someday, there's going to be a man born of a woman, and he, you might strike his heel, he's going to crush your head. If you get struck on the heel by something, it's typically not going to be considered anything fatal. It might cause some discomfort, a little bit of bruising. You might gimp around for a little bit. But if you receive a serious blow to the head, it's game over. It's game over. And because of how original sin entered into the human experience, God set in motion a plan that was not just going to crush the head of Satan himself, but it was also going to free us from everything that is a result of the curse of sin and death. In Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, we begin to see how this promise is becoming fulfilled. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so here we are. We're jacked up. Every single one of us. Many of us, we... The sin that we struggle with might be a little bit different from person to person, but we're still all messed up. We're selfish by nature, jealous, have an ability to hate people. We have sin in our life. But because of the depth of the love that God has for us, He decided to send his own son to die as an atonement for our sin. We follow this up with Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, which reads this, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. And God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has also made you his heir. The sacrifice of Christ allows those of us who trust in the name of Jesus to be our sin bearer, to become adopted into his family. In Colossians two thirteen through fifteen says, "But you were dead, or you were dead because of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all our sins; He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, He disarmed." the spiritual rulers and authorities, and he shamed them publicly by his victory over the cross. Now these three passages are just several of the numerous passages that we see throughout the Old Testament to follow up that promise from Genesis 3.15. That God himself would come to earth, breathe our air, mingle among us, experience pain, Always knowing that in the end, the curse of sin would be lifted. Hatred, racism, greed, sex trafficking, manipulation, embezzlement, disease war it's on a time limit some of you might be thinking so why is it that we still see this manifest itself today if when Jesus spoke his final words and said totalistai which means it is finished why do we still see this? Let me see if I can give you an example. Genevieve and I have a friend from uh, Australia. And uh, during the time that, that we, uh, we spent teaching with him in, in China, he had a lot of stories about uh, snakes because Australia is home to the vast majority of the world's most deadly and poisonous snakes. And so he was telling us a story one time of how his dad encountered um, a taipan, which are considered to be by far the most deadly uh, and venomous snakes in the world. And and in fact, um, it is reported that one strike from a taipan has enough venom in it where you could divide it up over a hundred times and inject it into a fully grown adult and it would be uh, there would be enough venom where that adult could po- probably die. That's how venomous they are. And not only that, they're extremely aggressive. And so Chris was telling us about how his dad had an encounter with one where I think his dad was somebody that laid um, like cable wiring or worked for a telephone company, but he was out and about on a job site, and one of his coworkers was operating a backhoe to dig a trench to lay the wiring. And in the midst of this, the, the backhoe scoops up some earth, and they see a taipan kind of come up from out of the ground and kind of snake its way out of the, the dirt that was in the backhoe. Now, um, the, the bucket had already cut the snake in half, and so it's in two parts. But viciously, the snake was striking at the metal edge of the bucket that had just killed it. And then a few seconds later, it died. That's what the enemy is like. In the span of eternity, he's got seconds left to live. And he's striking out as aggressively as he can until Christ returns. So God had a plan. Point two. God's plan came at the highest cost. God's plan came at the highest possible cost. It cost him his son. Isaiah fifty three. and 11 says, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and to cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will then be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant, Will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. If you read the um, entire chapter 53 of Isaiah, the bulk of it is the greatest foreshadowing and foretelling of what Jesus will go through that we find anywhere in the Old Testament. And in Romans 5, 1 through 2, even though the bulk of the New Testament testifies of the fulfillment Of that Isaiah 53 prophecy that I just read, there's something special about how Romans 5 1 and 2 emphasize that fulfillment. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, because of our faith. Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. To those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, we get to stand before God someday covered in the righteousness of His Son. So he had a plan from the beginning. That plan cost him the life of his son. And then, point three, Jesus paid a debt for us that we could never repay. Going back to Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, we read, Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion, and he was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. And he was whipped. so we could be healed. In the revelation of this reality, that Christ Christ had come to fulfill this, we read about in Matthew 8, verses 14 through 17. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses, and he removed our diseases. If we were being completely honest with you, we could literally spend an entire semester in seminary or Bible college focused only on... Old Testament prophecy and New Testament fulfillment. There's just way too many for us to go into today in the time that we have. But the bottom line is this. Whenever we read about the coming of the Messiah, what we notice is that God had that plan from the beginning to pursue us in love. He knew His plan was going to be Extremely costly. But it was the only way to redeem us back to himself. Because it was a debt we could never pay back.